This week on the Emmaus Institute for Disciple Making podcast, we join Pastor Brian again as he continues his series, Faith Filled Family. Today, he'll cover strategies to promote vibrancy in the spiritual lives of your spouse and your children through family worship. All right, y'all, we'll go ahead and start off uh, and begin to jump in. I know some more people may walk in, but that's all right. They'll just have to catch up with us. Um, welcome back. Uh, hope you had a good week. I hope you had a good week of cultivating passion for Jesus in your hearts. Um, everybody remember what we talked about last week? Mm-hmm. Yes. What was the big idea? <laughs> yeah, read the Bible. Pray. Yes, yes. Spend time with the Lord, basically, more than anything else. And I know that's. I know that... There was a little bit as I was developing this content in this course, um, there's a little bit of insecurity in me for talking about that for a whole night of a, of a three-week class, but um, I hope you guys understand my heart behind it. Uh, I think it's worth as much as a third of uh, a class talking about how to cultivate healthy spirituality in our homes, because we cannot do it if it's not starting in us. Um, there's going to be no way to have the discernment to, to be able to lead these conversations with our spouses with our kids, unless we are growing with the Lord ourselves. So um, always start there. In fact, I'll be honest with you, any of you who maybe at some point in your lives will end up in my office or, well, it's, it's me. I don't know how the other pastors approach counseling and, and things like that, but we do as your pastors. We do marriage counseling. We do individual counseling. We'll meet with church members and things like that. But with almost every single issue that I encounter in, uh, in people's lives, there's a lot of like specific advice and wisdom that I'll offer, but like I always start with, are you reading your Bible? Are you walking with the Lord? Are you starting that? Because there's just so much health that comes from that. As we study God's Word, as we talked about last week, it shapes us, it molds us, it grows us. So um, I hope that's been good. I hope you guys had those habits in the past. Um, but if you don't, I hope that you know this, this past week you jumped in a little bit. Um, I did not have time last week to get into the back of your books. I know we, we sort of pointed them out real, real slowly, but uh, again, I just want to remind you, if you have insecurity or, or not quite sure how to approach studying the Bible, both of those appendixes are there for you uh, to dive in a little bit deeper. And I'll also say this, uh, Pastor Travis, the class that he's leading um, up here on Wednesday nights is called Follow Jesus, and he's basically just doing how to study the Bible at length. So it, it goes into the spiritual disciplines of prayer as well, sort of connecting uh, prayer to your time in the Word, but he's very slowly unpacking how to have a daily quiet time and how to do it in a way that's, that's faithful and fruitful for your life. So all that to say, when we're done, um, you, I think I t- told you guys last week there's a podcast now for the Institute. Uh, February 9th is the day we're going to try to have all the editing done for that, but, um, but when we're all done... Again, if this is an area in your life that you just don't have well-developed habits, I would point you to that as a good way to dive in even deeper to developing your own personal quiet time habits. So um, with that, uh, let's pray and then jump into our stuff for time. I guess before we pray, were there any questions or as you dove into studying the Bible on your own this week, how did it go? Any comments or questions or things you want to talk about in here before we jump in? All Bible experts. I love it. <laughs> Good deal. Okay. Will somebody pray for us as we start off tonight? And then we can dive in together. Sure. Thanks, Evan. Father, thank you for this night. I just thank you that we have time that we can come together around your word and 
learn and just ask that you would uh, fill Pastor Brian, give him the word to speak tonight and just pray that you would speak to people and show us um, how to lead our families, how to love as you love and uh, help us to hold on to what we hear tonight. Amen. Um, okay, this is the things we talked about last week. Um, yeah, we'll start there. Um, okay, so uh, as I explained last week, uh, Faithful Family is what this class is all about. We started with our own uh, relationships with the Lord last week. This week is all about um, leading discipleship in our homes. Uh, so this is the meat of probably why you signed up for this course. Uh, this is not like a parenting course with strategies for how to discipline your kid and how to how to get them to eat their meal all the way and how to go to bed on time and things like that. We, we have offered through the Institute different parenting classes through time. We hope to continue to do those. But um, the heart of this class is really, uh, you know, as we've discussed, trying to cultivate um, an environment of faith, an environment of passion for Christ among our family. And so uh, I really want to dive into that um, today really with uh, sort of three parts to tonight in my mind as long as we have time. First off, I want to look at the biblical mandate for us to engage in this. I know we talked about it briefly last week, but I really want to help you feel the weight of the duty that God has placed on our shoulders as uh, the parents in our home, both with our spouse and with our children, the duty that we have biblically for doing this. Um, we're going to do that briefly, though, because the second part of tonight will take up the most time looking at um, four strategies for discipleship in your home. So four, th- four habits to practice, four things to do. Um, when it comes to uh, spending time with your, your children and your spouse um, to try and cultivate that spiritual health that we've been discussing. And then last, I want to do some Q&A. So uh, we're going to get practical here in the second part, um, but I want to engage even deeper than the general advice I'm going to be giving. So as we go through uh, the first and the second parts, and, and really the second part, uh, be thinking about your own family, and like if I'm describing things and you're thinking to yourself, that would never work with my family, uh, save those questions, and I want to engage with your specifics um, as we get into the end of tonight. So with that, let's start off with the biblical mandate, and if you have your Bibles, join me in Deuteronomy 6, um, which we looked at last week, but I want to tease it out a little bit more, as I promised you I would. Um, this is one of the first places where God gets very explicit in the Bible about the mandate of parents specifically. And this is really focused on um, parents discipling children. However, you'll feel in the conversation the weight of that this is supposed to be a, a whole home practice. So it's not, I wouldn't say it's limited to children. I think it's talking about uh, filling your home with the Word of God, um, making sure that, that your home is filled with uh his commands and the heart behind them and a love for God. So um, let's read this together. Will somebody read it for me? You got it on the screens? Yeah. Four through eight. Four through nine, actually. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your hearts. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house. And when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise, you shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on your doorposts of your house and on your gates. Okay, so again, we talked about this last week, but contextually, this is Moses uh, re-giving the law to the people of God, 
and um, really instructing them in generational faithfulness, how to uh, see the people of Israel continue to follow God uh, for generations as they enter the promised land. They're right on the brink of the promised land as he's preaching the book of Deuteronomy to them. Um, and, uh, and here you're seeing him after giving uh, the initial part of the law um, for the second time, he is basically telling families, I want you to cultivate just a, a word-saturated home is the big idea. And I think there's four specific things that we're instructed to engage in in here as we sort of tease it, tease it out. We talked last week about that first part, loving the Lord your God. But, but there's four other parts here that I want to make sure you see. And the first one is this. Um, we should engage in having personal familiarity with God's Word. Okay, so uh, personal familiarity with God's Word. Verse 6 says, These words shall be on your heart. So, and he's talking to the parents when he says this, but he, he, he's saying like, and this goes back to last week, it should be in you. It should be, God's Word should be on your heart. You should be familiar with it. Um, all of this teaching to your children is going to start with it uh, being in your own heart, your own love and pursuit of God, your own familiarity with the Scripture, which again just reinforces what we talked about last week, uh, having your own personal time with the Lord in His Word. Uh, secondly, the second thing you see teased out here, uh, we should engage in diligent instruction of God's Word. You see that in verse 7, you shall teach them diligently to your children, he says. Uh, that word diligent, if you look it up in the dictionary, uh, we're going to go all high school on you here, but Webster's calls it... Uh, having or showing care and conscientiousness in one's work or duty. Um, so if, if you tease that out, it really just means being intentional. Teach intentionally. Have a plan. Have a strategy. Don't be careless. Sometimes to really understand a word, it, it, it's helpful to think about the opposite. Like the opposite of diligence would be careless, haphazard, uh, willy-nilly. Like the, the imagery that Moses is instructing and, and God through Moses is instructing us to have is is not carelessness with instructing our kids, but intentionality and strategy. Be thoughtful about it. That's what I mean by diligent instruction. Um, third thing we should engage in, regular conversations about God's Word. Um, you see this beginning at the end of verse 7, but, but continuing through 8 and 9 as well. Just feel how regular and normal talking about God's Word should be according to uh, Moses, he, should, he says, you shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise. Um, conversation should happen all the time, all throughout the day. Uh, I don't think right here he's giving uh, very like specific, you should only talk about God's word when you lie down and when you rise. He, he's not limiting it to that. He's just saying like, at, everywhere you go, as you go, the word of God should just immerse you. You should have this uh, very regular conversation about God and his word in your homes. And then the fourth thing we should engage in is uh, visible reminders and immersions in God's Word. Visible reminders and immersions in God's Word. Um, and that's really verses 8 and 9 where he says, it shall, <clears throat> it shall be as frontlets in front of your eyes. Um, you shall put it as, what does he say? I flipped the page. Um, bind them as a sign on your hand, frontlets between your eyes, Write them on your doorposts of your house and on your gates. I think what he's getting at there is, is, is he knows our propensity to be distracted, right? Like he knows that we're all busy. We all have things going on. You know, back then in, uh, you know, 1,200 B.C. when this was written, they're busy making their sourdough bread and, and getting their goats uh, out of the field. And I, I don't know what it looked like to be 
a Jew back in that time. But um, in our day, it's a lot different. We have our own distractions and our own busyness. But he's basically saying, you're going to forget to immerse your family in God's Word. So put up signs, like put it on your, your doorpost so that when you're coming into your house, you'll remember. Uh, it, it's that visible immersion, actually like, like posting Scripture in places you'll see it to draw yourself back to it. I think another way to apply this in our modern context is, is to put alarms in our phones. Like I think Moses, if he was talking to us, might say, put a daily reminder at 10 a.m. and at 2 p.m. and at 6 p.m. to talk about God's Word and just like do things to bring it back in front of your eyes. If it means putting a tattoo on your hand of a verse, uh, if it means uh, painting it in, in those wonderful girly uh, fonts on, on your walls, whatever you have to do, but immerse yourself in the Word. That's, that's the image that he's, he's getting at. And the whole thing, that the big image that Moses is just conveying to us is we're to be careful, conversant, and immersed in God's Word in our homes. So I just want you to take a second, you know, put your pens down, and just evaluate your own home for a second against Deuteronomy 6. You know, do you regularly talk about God's Word with your kids? Is it as natural as talking about anything else? Multiple times a day, in the vernacular that you speak in in your home, is it coming up? Are you, are you diligent to teach God's Word? Do you have a plan and a strategy? Do you have something like in your mind or written down even that this is how I'm going to approach it? Do you have reminders and markers around you to immerse yourself in Scripture? Do you have Scripture on your walls uh, or on your, in your driveways you're driving up so that you remember uh, God's Word? And if not, it's okay. That's why we're here, to help develop those. But that's the goal. Those are the goals, is to uh, model our life in congruency with what we see in Scripture, um, especially here in Deuteronomy 6. Um, so that's what we're going to talk about today. Two other quick verses just to continue to build the foundation, biblical mandate. Psalm 78, 1 through 8. You've got the full thing there in your verses. I'm going to read it for us quickly. Um, this is, uh, uh, it's not a Psalm of David. I think it's Asaph, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but he writes this, Give ear, O my people, to my teaching. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings from of old. Things that we have heard and known that our fathers have told us. We will not hide them from their children but tell them to the coming generation the glorious deeds of the Lord and His might and the wonders that He has done. He established a testimony in Jacob and He appointed a law in Israel which He commanded our fathers to teach to their children that the next generation might know them to the children yet unborn and arise and tell them to their children so that they should set their hope in God and not forget the works of God but keep His commandments. And that they should not be like their fathers, a stubborn and rebellious generation, a generation whose heart was not steadfast, whose spirit was not faithful to God. Um, I love this passage of Scripture because this is, this, is, um, this is exegesis right here. So we as your pastors, we seek to like read Scripture and preach sermons that are faithful to what the Bible's saying. Asaph, when he was writing this psalm, he is exegeting Deuteronomy chapter 6. Like when he's saying in verse, um, in verse 5 and verse 6, he commanded our fathers to teach it to their children. He's talking about Deuteronomy 6. He's, he's preaching a, a, a sermon in the form of a song here um, to unpack what Deuteronomy 6 meant. And you can see he's, he's very consistent with what I just described, that 
Uh, We're supposed to be a people that teach our children to love God, to set their hope in God, to not forget the works of God, but be familiar with what He's done in the past so that we'll set our hope in Him here in the present um, with the hopes that we won't be rebellious in the future. And I I love that, um, that connection in verse 8 and 9. Just like uh, refresh yourself, uh, or I guess not verse 9, just verse 8. But reread that, those of you who like, Worry about if it's really going to work. Is all this time spent like teaching my children uh, the scriptures? Is it actually going to result in them following God? Um, I, I would say it will. Like I know salvation belongs to the Lord, and we cannot guarantee that our kids will follow after God. But there is something to be said about as we honor the commands that God's given us uh, and entrust our kids to Him and His grace that we can trust His faithfulness. You know, there, there's a clear connection in Psalm 78 between teaching children faithfully uh, and this that they should not be a stubborn and rebellious generation. God gives us the connection between immersing our kids in the Word and their long-term faithfulness. And I'm not saying that there's not a possibility that you could try to raise a kid in the Word and, and they might walk through a season of rebellion, but I am saying there's, there's consistent... Um, connections in Scripture between the faithfulness to the command for parents to teach their children and a result in them not being rebellious over time. So take heart in these promises of Scripture. Take heart in these connections that, that we see here um, we can, as we honor the commands of God and do our part as He's instructed. We can entrust their souls to Him to do his faithful work of saving. So um, one last quick example, Joshua 24 is in there. Uh, as well for you, verses 14 and 15. Um, this is after the, the people of Israel have gotten into the promised land, um, and Moses is, is dead now. Joshua is their leader, um, ha- has stepped up into Moses' role, and he is reminding them basically of everything that was in Deuteronomy. We have to follow God. Let's choose to follow Him. Um, he's starting to see some faithlessness, some people straying from God as they enter the promised land. Um, and so he says the, these words to them recorded in, in 24, uh, 14 and 15. Now therefore fear the Lord and serve Him in sincerity and in faithfulness. Put away the gods that your fathers served beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. And if it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your fathers served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in, to, in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And it's again, uh, Joshua just sort of recognizing like faith is a household thing. There should be a, a, a leadership provided by, by parents over their home to uh, determine who, who their home will, will serve. And Joshua calling um, us to help our houses to be faithful and serve the Lord. So uh, you probably have, I know so many Christians have that verse somewhere in their homes on a little plaque or whatever, which is a beautiful thing according to Deuteronomy 6. Um, but I just wanted to point it out again. Joshua understood his duty to lead his family, and he's instructing all of Israel to do the same. So there's other places you see it in Scripture as well. The idea of family worship, the idea of families, parents leading their kids, isn't just instructed, it's also modeled. Abraham and Isaac is a good example. Uh, You know the story. Abraham is going up on top of Mount Moriah in order to uh, sacrifice Isaac. Isaac doesn't know that yet, but what does Isaac say? Did you, do you ever, have you ever caught up on this as they're walking up the mountain? The yeah, the we, have, we have the sticks, Dad, but where's the lamb for the offering? Well, how would he know to ask that? How does he know what worship is supposed to look like? Because his dad has taught him. Abraham 
has modeled worship for his family and his children have picked up on what right worship looks like. And so you can just see that it's there, that it's present, it's been practiced through time. You see the same thing for Job and his family. If you read through the book of Job, they'd have these big uh, family gatherings right there at the beginning before everybody dies. Um, it's a very sad book. But, uh, but he, it, it talks about Job would go after these gatherings and the next morning offer a sacrifice for every single one of his children. He would take time and before the Lord like have this moment of prayer and sacrifice for each one individually, which is, I just think, a great thing for all of us with multiple kids. Sometimes we can get into the habit of just like a blanket prayer, right? Like, bless my family, help them all love you, Jesus, you know, I'm going to go to bed now. Um, but the care to, to lead each child, pray for each child, sacrifice for each child, I love that. Um, you also see in, in Ephesians chapter 5 and 6, more instruction carrying into the New Testament. Paul giving a lot of instruction. I'm not going to go into that in detail, but uh, giving instruction about both marriage and family and just the importance of um, the, the, uh, having discipleship in the family. So overall, the Bible gives us a pattern to follow. We're to be diligent. We're to immerse our, our children in the Word. We're to be conversant, um, conversant in this with intentionality, regularity, um, and immersion. So all that being said, there's the foundation. Now let's get into practice, um, and this is where we'll spend the bulk of our time. Um, so four habits that I want to give you and talk through tonight. Um, we're going to talk through three of them tonight. We'll get into the, the fourth one uh, next week. But um, four habits that I would really, really encourage you guys as you develop your own discipleship strategy for your family, four habits that I'd encourage you to practice in the home. Um, and I will say this. This is uh, Brian talking now, okay? So the biblical instruction, the biblical mandate, we just covered that. It's you as the parent who are responsible for coming up what you coming up with the, the specifics for your family. Um, this is this is your duty, your role before the Lord to determine what discipleship looks like for your family. But I, as one of your pastors, um, I've, and this isn't just my ideas. In fact, very little of it is my ideas. But uh, leaned upon a lot of good books. We'll go through a few of them tonight, um, just sort of explain them. But these would be good habits that I think would give you a good foundation. Uh, for being faithful to the scriptures we talked about. So the first one is this, family worship. What do I mean by family worship? Uh, this is how I would define it. Time together as an entire family. Reading God's word, praying, and singing. Time together as an entire family. Reading God's word, praying, and singing. So I am not talking about individual devotion time. Um, we're going to get to that in just a minute. This is corporate family worship time. Uh, a moment for you as your family to together to sit before God's Word, to read it, to contemplate it, to apply it, and to pray and worship together. Um, and it's, it's become a rarity in the modern church. If you go back through time and you read uh, like records of, of uh, pastors through time, family worship has been a staple in the household of faith for you know, centuries. Um, but it's rare in most modern American homes. Uh, we, we sort of entrust the church family worship time, and we go to uh, our, our church on Sunday and worship together as a family, and that's our communal time of worship. Um, but I'm, I'm advocating that you have a separate, just your family time where you're leading your children in a similar experience in your home. Okay, so uh, that's, that's what we're talking about when I say family worship. Let me give you some um, ideas on how to actually do this yourselves. Do any of you practice this? I'd love to know just already. You don't sing. You don't sing. 
Cool. I'm going to encourage you to in just a second. Okay, so you have some time as well. What does yours look like, just for the sake of conversation? We kind of follow similar to, I think, the children's type program. So yeah. We'll, yeah, we'll go through like a little week. Jesse, kind of, we've been doing that since Jesse gave the class. Yeah, bridge class. Awesome. Cool. But, sing some of the similar songs. Like some of the ones that they sing here, Mercy Has Fallen. Try to like, you know, up and down with the kids and get them involved in singing. And That's awesome. Play his guitar. Oh, so you actually play an instrument. That makes the singing part easier. No, no, no. Like, All of you have musical no, ability. Like it's going to be more fun that way. <laughs> no, that's good. That's more than me. Yeah. Do you, how, what does it look like when you practice it? Do you practice it every day? Do you do it once a week? What's your rhythm? The guitar usually comes out like on Saturdays. Yeah. But, um, you know, try to do something. Throughout the week, we'll play like, um, you know, a song like Mercy is Falling or something like that or... We'll sing the key passage song for the awesome. project. And but definitely not every single day. Yeah. That is not a... Yeah, week. it's probably like realistically five out of seven. That's great. That's really awesome. Okay, so I am, I am going to advocate. I know that this is a big stretch, but I am going to advocate that this be a daily habit. I'm not talking about a weekly habit. I'm talking about a daily. Um, and I know a lot of you are looking at me right now with crazy eyes, knowing that that's not going to be a reality in your habit. Uh, a reality in your family schedule, and I get that. And so I want to, I'm going to give you a few suggestions in just a little while. Uh, One of them is going to be like, uh, be brief, be flexible. Don't be uh, pharisaical about this. Like it's not supposed to be something with great rigidity in in your home that everybody starts to dread. Oh, we've got to do the family worship time or else we're not Christians. Uh, That's not the goal at all. But the goal is The goal is for your children to begin to see you as parents, as spiritual leaders in your home that are cultivating an environment of immersion in God's Word. So that's that's what we're after. Real quick though, let's talk about the practicals. How to do this. Three simple words, read, pray, and sing. Uh, You can remember it. uh, There's some books that try to make all those words start with the same letter so that you can remember them. I think that's silly. Read, pray, sing is pretty simple. It's but, but, uh, yeah. but seriously, keep it simple. We're not after recreating you know, Emmaus Church worship in your homes. We're after creating the, 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 simplest, the, the simple beauty of Christian worship through the ages, which revolves around the scriptures. That's what I mean when I say read. And I would advocate read through books of the Bible, verse by verse, chapter by chapter. So choose as a family what you're going to read for a little while, Colossians, Matthew, whatever you want to do, and go through the whole thing. Begin to model to your children the importance of God's Word in full, but read through books of the Bible verse by verse, chapter by chapter. With younger children, I would, I would advise you to consider focusing on narratives or shorter passages. The Gospels are really good for uh, young kids, focusing on Jesus and different stories from His life. Um, always, as you're reading through the Bible, explain words that are difficult to understand, look them up together. Like if, if there's a word that's weird and you know your kids don't get it, pull out a dictionary, pull out your cell phone and look it up and read it together. Teach your kids the habits of Bible study. Model for them, like if you don't understand something, look it up. Um, and then conclude with just like a simple com- uh, uh, comment of application. This is the reading part. So like if you just read, in fact, uh, me and my family, we do not practice this daily. We're trying to get there. Um, but uh, the, the last one we did, we were in Matthew um, chapter 7 and talking about uh, don't worry. And God, 
Uh, don't be anxious about anything. God, look at the birds. God gives them food and he gives them, do they toil and make clothes for themselves? So we just read that quickly. And my application was this. What is something that you guys worry about? You know, we went around the table and I just asked the kids, you know. <laughs> and Emmy was like, I, sometimes I worry that I won't fall asleep at night. She struggles. <laughs> it's, it's really cute. She, Hudson and Ella just, you lay them down there asleep. But, but Emmy will be up for an hour. She just lays there, can't sleep very well. So, um, so I loved that. And then Hudson was like, you know, when there's lightning, that's scary. So it was, but it's a way to remind them God has you and he's teaching us that he has us. So I'm not talking about you. You need to think through a sermon for your kids. This is not, you don't even have to prepare this ahead of time. I'm talking just read the Bible and think about a question to ask that would help them apply it. All right. The second part, pray. As a parent, always model prayer. Um, so what I mean by that is uh, in this prayer time of your family worship moment, always have one of the parents praying. It's good to also include the children. If the children want to pray, let them have that opportunity. But don't ever use a parent not pray because every time you pray out loud in front of your kids, you're teaching them how to pray. You're teaching them the heart of prayer. You're teaching them the how of prayer, like the specifics as you do it in front of them. You're, you're giving them confidence in it. Um, but offer your children a chance to pray as well. Uh, if you've done this as a habit, even not in family worship, but like in devotional time, if you've, if you've prayed with your kids every single night how many of you have experienced the day when they want to pray on their own it's a fun thing so if you've never done this it's not too late i don't care how old your kids are but just start praying out loud over your kids every night and start asking them would you like to pray as well don't force them to and they'll probably say no for a while or they won't even know how to pray when you do this with young kids they can't speak yet so they're just like (laughs) hearing you pray but there is always and it's been so fun with each of my kids there's always a day where they're like i want to pray and, and their first prayer is like the most silly, dear God, thank you for mom. Thank you for, you know, it's just so simple, but it's a beautiful thing to see them begin to take steps in prayer. And as they get older, they'll grow in it and all that. But always, always use a parent pray. Um, one other encouragement with prayer, keep a family prayer list, um, like things that you're praying for as a family. We, as, a, as, a, as our family, uh, there's two missionary families that we support that are overseas. And so those are families that uh, we always name them by name as we're praying as a family. It's a good way to even include missions in your family. But, but pray as a family. So read, pray. What's the last one? Sing. Sing. This is the one where we're going to be the most uncomfortable. I acknowledge that. Um, but it's a healthy practice to keep. Singing has a very rich history in God's people, both in the Bible and through history. It's just a way that we respond to God's word and respond to uh, experiencing God and loving God in, in song. It's just a part of our heritage as um, the people of God. And so uh, some ways that you can do this practically with your own family um, is, here's just a few ideas, the way that we do it in our family, because me and Lauren, it's not like we're broken musically. It's just that we're not, we don't play instruments or anything like that. But we do sing songs from church that we love. They love, um, I'm no longer a slave. I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child. I think they like that line, I am a child of God. Um, but they know that one, and so we sing that one often. We'll just do it a cappella. We don't even remember all the words, so it's a very short moment. But, um, uh, but any other song that, that you love from church or that they know from church, they might remember some from kids' ministry, things like that. Other things that we've tried, and these are all really good. I love, we have an Apple Music subscription as a family. In the Christian like section of Apple Music, there's a bunch of music videos that are free as a part of your subscription. 
that are just like good songs. So you can even find like Shane and Shane's I Am a Child of God in there. Um, you can just play music videos. During Christmas time, they loved all, all the Hillsong Christmas hymns, like the Christmas carols Hillsong has done in a live performance. And so it's like all these British, or not British, Australian people in their fancy gowns doing these beautiful songs. And they just love, we just do a few of those. Um, YouTube has plenty of good music videos as well. You don't even have to like lead the singing. You can let the TV lead it. And then I wanted to show you this. This is really good as well. Um, you guys may remember we just started a Right Now Media subscription for your church, for us as a church. So all of you, free access to Right Now Media, which I don't know if you've ever explored it or not. You should have gotten an email when we announced this so that you could start your account. If you missed out on that, if you right now go to EmmausBible.com slash Right Now Media, you can sign up for that account yourselves. But this is Right Now Media. I'll show you how I got to this section. If you, when you log in, it's going to look like this. Um, if the internet works up here. Yeah, so you'll see the little Emmaus E. Um, since I'm the admin on the account, I can make that my face if I wanted to um, for all of your accounts. Uh, but it, it puts you into the adult side automatically. Um, but if you click up here on kids, you move into the kids section of Right Now Media. This is where there's a ton of really good, if you haven't explored this yet, please do with your children. A mountain of really good shows that you don't have to worry about them cussing or talking mean to one another. It's really good stuff. There's a really good spy show that Hudson loves. I forget the, the kid's name. Ryan's, yeah, that, that one. Ryan DeFrady, Secret Agent. Hudson loves that one. Um, it's a really good collection. But um, Seeds Family Worship is what it's called. I'm sure I could find it down there if I just browsed. But if you go in and type um, Seeds Worship, here we go, all of these. Anytime you see this little green icon thing, um, they have a million of them. But they're all songs, and every single one that you click on will have like a million songs down here. And they have two versions of them all. They have a song, and then they have a song with hand motions. I just want to help you not feel so intimidated by the singing part of it. It's a good habit to have as a family, is all I'm trying to advocate. If you do feel so totally intimidated, don't let that stop you from still reading and praying. Um, but if it's possible, do a little quick song, um, and it's a good thing. Okay, strategies for enriching this time of your day. Uh, a few of them here, and I think I went ahead and put them in your notes, but I'll give you some extra things if you want to write a few more notes. Number one, set a normal, regular, repeatable moment each day. I'm going to suggest around the table at breakfast or at dinner, whenever your family is usually all together. And that may never happen. Like your family rhythm may be such that there's not a moment where everybody's together. Choose the next best thing. And also, I'll say this, if there's like... Uh, if you are in a home where like the, your spouse doesn't follow Jesus and you're, it's not realistic for you to have like family worship, next best thing. If it's you leading your kids, that's fine. If you have like four kids and two of them are, are older teenagers and they're like atheists and they've said, nope, we don't want to ever talk about God ever, next best thing. You know, invite them in, but do it with the two kids that you have that are willing. Um, but, but try to set whatever moment in your day is most natural for the most number of people to be together. Uh, choose that. And, and whatever is most repeatable so that you don't have to change it every day. If, it, if it's a random moment, it won't become a habit in your life. Um, second thing, be brief. We're not talking about an hour. We're not talking about 30 minutes. 
We're not talking about 20 minutes. We're talking about five to 10 minutes. Quick verses, a quick application, praying together, doing a song. Um, we're, this, this shouldn't add an enormous part of your day. You're welcome to let it if it actually works, but if you have kids like mine, it won't be able to be more than five to 10 minutes. In fact, getting them to sit still through the whole thing is usually um, uh, impossible. But think baby steps, not a marathon. If you start off just by like two minutes of a Bible part and you can't even get through the prayer, the kids are gone, that's a win. That's a win. And build up to it. Like, like baby steps, not marathon. Uh, third thing, be flexible. If you miss a day, it's okay. Uh, if the time has to change one day, it's okay. Be as regular as possible, but don't make this time become a burden for your family. Um, let it be a delight. Um, if at first the best you can do is once a week, do it. That's a win. If you can build to two times a week, do it. That's a win. Um, but I think as close to a daily habit as possible is a really good thing for your family. We need, and, and, and the reason why I say daily is because remember what we talked about last week with God's Word being our daily bread. The Bible's what tells us we need God's Word daily. It's not Pastor Brian trying to add chaos into your home. I'm telling you, you and your children have a daily need. Your souls have a need for God's Word. So let's begin to teach our children to feast on it. As we do it together. Um, the last little encouragement, allow and encourage others to lead this time. So if it's, uh, if it's you and a spouse, I would encourage both of you to lead it. Um, uh, not, just, not just the man, um, not just the woman, but both of you if possible. Um, and eventually allow your kids to as well. I love that. Um, th- this is an idea I, I read from one of those books. But as kids grow older, encourage them to step into it. Don't ever pressure. Again, you don't want to make this time become like a burden on their hearts. Um, But invite them in, invitation in, and see if they they catch the heart of it. Um, A few other ideas to consider if you really want like gold stars for family worship. I saw some of the books mentioning this. I don't, realistically, I don't practice these um, in our home during family worship time. But family scripture memorization, if you want to like have a verse uh, a month or a verse a week that you sort of recite together and try to memorize, it's a good time to build that into your um, into your family schedule. Um, and then also catechisms, um, which has anybody catechized their kids before? Um, that's a very Presbyterian thing to do. I grew up Baptist, so I didn't even know what catechism was until I was an adult. Um, but I actually have practiced this a little bit with my kids, and it's a really cool thing. You're ba- the goal of the catechism, it's question and answers. Um, where And there's books that are resources. I have a few of them ris- listed there under the re- extra resources to consider. But um New City has a good one. That's the one that we use. Uh, Lifeway puts out big uh, picture question and answers. That's what we use in kids' ministry. So if you want one that goes along with, we'll talk about that more next week. But um, and we have some examples up here. But um, it's basically, in fact, let me pull this up. It's basically teaching your kids truths about God before they're ever going to understand them. But they memorize the answers. They're really easy answers to remember. And you just sort of recite it, sort of like the classical style of learning memorization that you eventually understand um, and begin to rationale as you grow older. Um, But like the first question in the Lifeway version, which looks like this, uh, who is God? Uh, And the answer is God is our creator and king. When they're a little bit older, you can do God is our creator and king of everything. Um, But they have different versions for when they're they're tiny or when they're bigger. Um, uh, Second question, was God created? No, God has always existed. You know, you're teaching your kids that God's eternal. He wasn't created. He didn't have a birthday. You know, he's an eternal God. Um, did God create everything? God created everything for his 
for, or no, the question is, why did God create everything? God created everything for his glory. You know, so just simple truths that you instruct your kids in. Um, with my kids, we do one question a week. It usually gives them time to answer it. Sometimes we, it takes longer, but you do a question until they get it, then you move on to the next one. If you do new cities, I will just, this is just free advice. It's not in your notes, but um, the new city catechism has a really good app. Um, it looks like that, and it has all 50, there's 52 questions and answers. And each one, the first one is, what is our only hope in life and death? Um, that we are not our own but belong to God? That's the answer. Um, so it has, it hides the answer until you press it so the kid can have a chance to try to remember. But keep it simple. You know, don't, don't, don't try to accomplish the whole world. Start simple, but have some sort of family worship time. That's my big uh, goal for you guys. And towards that end, a few books um, that are really helpful, if, especially if this is intimidating to you. Um, Joel Beakey uh, is a guy who's a, a Presbyterian dude who wrote this book about family worship. It is very helpful, but I will say this, it's very Presbyterian. Um, so for the average person, you may not love the way he writes and how he approaches it. Um, I really like this book, Family Worship, Donald Whitney, and I have a copy for all of your families. So um, I'll pass those out at the end of the night. It explains very simply the history of family worship through the ages and how to do it. Um, it's a lot of what we talked about already, um, but this is a really good book. The only other thing I will say, um, this is 20 bucks because it's uh, bonded leather. I think it may be a good worthwhile investment for any of you who feel nervous about the Bible time. What this does, it's called a family worship Bible guide. What it does with every single chapter in the Bible, it gives you a paragraph or two of commentary about it. So you could almost read this to your kids to help them understand what you just read from the chapter that you're reading that day. So, for example, Ephesians um, chapter 2, you know, the glorious gospel unpacked in verses 1 through 10. Um, and those, those great verses that we all know and love. Uh, For it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. It's not of works. It's not your own doing so that nobody can boast just helping you know, us all grasp the truth that God has saved us and it's not our own works. Um, the commentary on that one is this. Uh, chapter 2, the gospel demands humility. What reasons do Christians have to boast? We were dead in sin and distant from God. Satan ruled us and God's wrath burned against us. If we have spiritual life, it is entirely due to God's grace in Christ. Why then do we look down on others? Who, who makes us uh, to differ? Let us prostrate ourselves before the Lord Jesus and give all glory to God and learn the meekness of, dove-like, of the dove-like spirit. Um, so it's just sort of sh- showing you the application is humility. We shouldn't boast. We shouldn't look down on others. We should have humility in our lives. So if you, you know, I know as a pastor, I'm not, in, this sounds very arrogant. I don't mean for it to be. I just mean I, I don't often get nervous about teaching the Bible to my kids because I teach the Bible professionally. But I understand you guys may. You may feel very nervous about trying to like unpack some verses for your kids. If so, make this investment. It's, it's really worthwhile. The whole Bible's unpacked in there for you. So um, that's there. There's a few other good ones. Those are my favorites, though. Any questions on that? I'm going too slow. <laughs> um, but any questions on family worship? That's the, bol- that's the big one. That's the one that we don't practice, that's not natural, that I would love to see become a habit in most of our homes. I, my, I think my question was the age difference. 
Yeah. I have a four-year-old and I have a 13-year-old. Yeah. For sure. Any suggestions? Just do it anyway. Just smash them all up. And do yeah, model it. So we're about to talk about personal devotion time. And you're going to feel this as well. When they're young, personal devotion and family worship are pretty much the same thing. Like kit, yeah. and we're going to, I'll unpack this more in just a second. But um, like you eventually want each of your kids to have their own walk with Jesus, right? Like we want to let them fly little birdies and, and them read the Bible on their own, them ap- apply the Bible on their own, them pray to God on their own. Um, when they're really young, we're having to baby step them through that, right? So um, that is sort of what you're doing in family worship as well. So when they're young, I would say um, it's still important to have family worship because it's all together, um, but it may be just a, f- a reminder of what we talked about when you're one-on-one. Um, but yeah, as kids get older, you can beckon them into leading with the younger kids too, you know, as they, as they uh, step into that age. But it might be worthwhile to think about multiple applications, you know, that something for your 13-year-old and your 4-year-old. Um, you know, even like anxiety, a 13-year-old's actually feeling real-world anxiety when, when they're 13, friendships and the, uh, their, their perceptive of dangers and things like that. A four-year-old's idea of anxiety is, you know, a different thing. So have, being able to talk through those in different ways um, is wise. But I think you, you should still have, it's good, what I'm talking about is having everybody at one table, you know, so the four-year-old and the 13-year-old, or even if you have a wider gap in your kids, um, it's still good. But yeah, you may have to think through the application a little bit more. And, and understand this too. Mo- everything that you do is going to be above their heads when they're tiny. Like you, you're, you're raising them up into understanding what you're doing. So don't be intimidated if you feel like, are they even understanding this? That's the point. They will eventually. They're going to, they're going to walk into it. Any other quick questions or thoughts on the family worship stuff? I'd say like, for us, because ours are so little, I mean, I know there's not a lot that they can grasp, and they're kind of short, but the most, the worship time, I think, is where they have the most attention or interest, at least right now. Because for sure. They can get up and dance. Especially and, if it's a TV yeah, music video. Yeah, for they can get up and, like, just kind of be goofy and dance with them and sing, and, but they love it. And then they look, and like, throughout the day, they're like, I want to sing Mercy is Falling, or you know, I want to sing one of those, but, I mean, the others are going to take a while. For sure. And, and here's where I want to encourage you to, if this, for all of us who have never experienced this growing up ourselves, which didn't any of your parents do this to you when you were young? Yeah, mine neither. This is a weird habit for us. But, but here's what's beautiful. Don't make it weird for your kids. They, don't, they, didn't, they haven't grown up in a home where, I mean, maybe they have so far, maybe you're just getting these ideas and your kids are 13, but like, for your kids that are younger, like let this be normal for them. And guess what's beautiful? They'll practice it as normal with their children as well. The church through the ages, this was a very normal habit. Like I don't know when it dropped off. Um, but if you go back, and even um, Donald Whitney in, in the book that we're about to give you, you'll see some of that in there. He's, he does a really good job of unpacking that. So, um, so yeah, make it normal. Make it a rhythm. Um, your homework is to try this. So next week we'll talk through more like what worked, what didn't, things to practice. Um, yeah, bring in a, a, a recording of how it went. But, um, but my, my encouragement would, would to you, all of you would be try it. You know, exactly what we talked about in Deuteronomy. God tells us to have a plan. You know, be diligent. Try something. Be, take initiative. Don't be careless and haphazard. 
step into what's confusing and hard and try something and, and adjust. You know, we've all, we've all tried things and it not worked. Take what doesn't work and adjust. None of this is law. Remember, like the Bible's law, this is, this is all application to try and apply it in our lives. But, um, but give it a try, see how it goes. Hopefully it'll go well. Um, okay, we're going to move a little quicker here. Let's move to personal devotions. This is the one we're going to spend more time with next week. But let me just give you an overview. What is it? Uh, devotion time is individual time for each member of your family, reading God's Word and praying. This is what we call quiet time or devotion time, your time alone with the Lord, um, each of your family's time alone with the Lord uh, every single day. The key word under this is personal devotion. Um, and again, when your kids are young, you're doing this with them. Uh, the lines between personal devotion time and family worship are very blurry when your kids are t- too young to read on their own. Um, but as they get older, they're going to be very s- distinct things. When you have 15-year-olds, uh, you're not involved, or, or hopefully you're not going to be involved anymore in their personal devotion time. You get the involvement for you is going to be the, f- the family worship time. So you want to practice both, develop the habits of both. Um, and, when, and we'll talk about this more next week too, but when your kids are young, you're teaching them how to have devotion time. When they're older, you're not so involved. You're more of an accountability partner for it. So the, the strategy becomes less about like helping them learn how to apply scripture and more about uh, asking them strategic questions. Are you growing? What was the Lord teaching you lately? Having some um, regular conversations. And that's also the approach we should take with our spouses, right? Like in an adult home with two Christian adults, it's beautiful to have time together to worship with your spouse, to have like a devotion time if you if you ever study the Bible with your spouse. In my home, we don't. We've tried that a few times. We've never been able to like get on a rhythm of a shared devotional time. Um, I love it if, if it's possible. I've, I, I know couples that do that and it's a really beautiful thing. But what we do is have strategic conversations about what is God teaching you right now? And it's sort of holding each other accountable to making sure that God is teaching us something that God is, uh, that we are having our own personal times with God. So, uh, but that's personal devotion time. Again, we're going to dive deeper into that next week, but I wanted to at least let you know it's there. Um, that'll take up a, a, the bulk of our time next week. Um, the next one, third one, milestones. This is a new concept to me. This has never been practiced in my life. I don't know anyone personally. And that's not true. I know one family. I was a part of one milestone moment. But um, what is it? All right, write this down. Strategic rites of passage to beckon children into personal ownership of their relationship with Jesus. Strategic rites of passage to help beckon, invite children into their personal um, own ownership of their faith. Um, so the idea here, this is, this is, I'm sorry, and I said it differently each time. Let me, let me follow my notes. Strategic rites of passage to beckon children into personal ownership of their relationship with Jesus. <laughs> I will send you my notes. I'll send you every word. <laughs> and it is being recorded. Okay, how many of you are familiar with the idea or the, the words bar mitzvah, bat mitzvah? Yeah, okay, this is a very rich part of Jewish tradition, which is our tradition, by the way. Um, Christian tradition grew out of Jewish tradition, but these are moments for um, Jews, even practiced to this day. It's sort of been, a, a lot of Jews in modernity aren't actually religious Jews, they're more ethnic Jews. So bar and bat mitzvahs look differently to just 
ethnic Jews than it does religious. But originally in its form, what it was was a, a ceremony of adulthood. Basically like to celebrate becoming a man or becoming a woman practiced at the age of 13, whereby in this moment, like after the celebration happens, it's a party, it's a rite of passage, and the, the father, the mother look at the child and they, they say, you are now responsible for obeying the laws of God. You have been a child, but now you're an adult. It's basically a moment to commemorate. You need to take ownership for your walk with the Lord. Um, and I think that this is something we should, we should celebrate and we should honor. Having some transitional moments, and it, can, it doesn't just have to be one, it can be a few different ways to do it. But as our kids get older, helping to celebrate milestones to help them take ownership of their own things. So a few examples, and I, I think I put a lot of detail in your notes if I'm remembering for this section. Um, but a few ideas to consider. One would be having an age where, for adult worship, where your kids move from being in the kids' ministry to stepping up and sitting with mom and dad in big church. Um, you can follow like what we offer. So we offer right now through fifth grade. Um, so you can make it when they turn into sixth grade. It's a big moment. But don't make it just like, oh, you're not allowed in kids' ministry anymore. Like make it a moment where they are, they've turned a certain age or they've, uh, they're, they're stepping into a new grade in school and now we're inviting you to sit with us and take, have, like sit down and have a conversation about, okay, so adult worship is different than kids' worship. There's norms. You're going to sit quietly. You're going to listen quietly. You're going to take notes. We're going to stand and worship together. This is, we're going to go and take communion. You know, like help, help them understand it, but like sit down and have a conversation. Don't just let it be irregular. Make it a rite of passage. Make them feel the significance of it. Call them into uh, a, a new stage of responsibility for themselves. Another idea, baptism, first communion. Um, so these would be moments when your kids place their faith in Jesus um, and you invite them to be baptized. You, you sort of guide them into, I want you to declare this before, before the whole church and explain to them the symbolism of baptism biblically and, um, and, and how to do this. We have some really good resources as a, as a church to provide for you when you're to that moment, by the way. Um, just let us know. Either you can talk to Jesse or Travis um, for that stuff. But um, but it's a big moment. Like right now, um, we, my oldest Emmy, we've now allowed her to start coming to adult worship with us. And every, like at the end of our, uh, we usually go to the nine. At the end of the nine, it's communion time. We walk to the communion tables. We don't we don't allow Emmy to take communion yet. Communion is a, is biblically something reserved for believers, and she hasn't professed faith yet. So mom takes communion, dad takes communion, I hold her hand, and then I walk her back to her seat. We haven't explained it yet. She's never asked us yet, why don't you allow me to take, to eat some of that bread? Hudson the other day was with us, uh, and, and he reached out to grab it, and I pulled his hand away. Like, and I didn't, it, you know, he didn't ask at that moment, but we're sort of modeling, this isn't for you yet. But like, I can't wait for the day where they express faith in Christ. And I get to sit down and say, you get to take communion now. And this is what it stands for. This is why we do it every week to remind us of what Jesus did. So again, just like have some celebratory moments to rites of passage to help them walk into their faith. Um, a few other ones to consider. First mission trip. Um, you as a family can think about this, but potentially like for each of your kids saying, okay, when you turn 13 or when you turn 14, you're going to get to go on a mission trip with mom or dad and just take each kid one at a time and and the beauty of mission trips is like there's it's a six-month process yeah you're traveling for a week but there's fundraising there's praying for the money to come in writing letters 
handwriting addressing envelopes and putting stamps on and sending them out. You know, it's a good process to walk through with a child and teach them about the importance of serving Jesus and spreading the gospel across the globe and joining him in his mission and evangelism. There's a lot of opportunity wrapped up in a mission trip to be able to raise a child up. So let it, don't just do it casually though. I'm saying leverage these moments and be intentional to make them milestones to beckon them into adulthood. My parents, uh, that's one of their graduation requirements that's awesome yeah i've seen some families do this and practice this as uh, since i've been the mission pastor here at this church i've seen some parents practice this i would love for it to become like a norm in our culture just allow it again just another moment to uh, and then you get a whole week and every night you're in the same room and you get what did god teach you today it's it's like a week of extra discipleship between a parent and a child so um just things to consider as you go one last one and this is very rare for us but um i have started to hear more people celebrating it I really want to do this with my kids, but I would call it a celebration of manhood or womanhood. What this would be, the way I've heard it described, and I've been a part of one. My uh, old mentor did this with his children, and uh, there was one child that I was close with and sort of discipled in some ways, and so he invited me to this. He did it when they were, I think he did 13, same as bar and bat mitzvahs, but it was uh, the child and a bunch of adults in the room. So it was very, a little uncomfortable. It wasn't friends. It wasn't a birthday party. It was a different kind of a party. Um, and the child sat in the middle, middle, and we were all asked to write a letter to the, to the child beforehand, and those were given to him, but the letters weren't really a part of the ceremony. It was more um, everybody took a moment to speak into the young man. And so I, you know, I had two minutes, and a bunch of other people had a bunch of two minutes. It took like an hour and a half, and then we prayed over him. But it was a chance to for a bunch of men in this young man's life to look at him and say, um, follow God. And to look at him and say, you're going to mess up. You're, you're going to sin so big. You're going to make a mistake next year, in two years, in five years, in ten years. A mistake so big that you feel like your life is completely over. And in that moment, you're going to want to go hide. And you're going to not want to tell anybody. And I'm telling you, tell me. I'm telling you, don't run and hide from the Lord. Come to me. Don't run from the faith. Don't run from the church. Come out in the open. Let's fight this, uh, this sinful flesh together. Let's walk with Jesus together for a lifetime. You know, taking a moment to look at a young kid and call him into adulthood. And so, like, I, I wish I had had that when I was 13. But, uh, but do something like that. It, you know, you can make it up as you go along. There is a good book um, that I found, Raising a Modern Day Knight. I think it's more focused on... Um, boys than it is girls, but it does offer some strategies for doing that kind of a knighthood um, celebration or moment, but it's, it's mentioned there. But those other books I mentioned also will give some ideas in that world. Um, but just developing some sort of rite of passage um, for your children to be able to beckon them into adulthood. Um, my, one thing my family does is there's a young man and I know Hotch does a similar one um, called Via Nueva or Road to Walk to Maze, those things. Yeah. That's a good Young men, young women. Um, yes, it's a very good one. Walk to Emmaus. Is it walk Nueva. or road? Vina Nueva. Vina Nueva, uh, Christmas. Those are the three ones. There's a few of them. They're all like the three-day. Yeah. Um, and it's like stages of the cross. It's like an experience of the cross. It's a really cool thing to do with. Is that similar um, to Tres Dias for adults? Yeah, it's the mm-hmm. youth version of Tres Dias. Okay. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of names for it, but it's, it's pretty much the same experience across them but but yeah doing something like that just having something that you create for your children to help beckon them into adulthood um and the key is with all of these you know there's there's families that practice these they take their kids on mission trips 
They um, let their kids come to adult worship. They, they, they do these things anyways, but they don't draw attention to it. And they don't have a conversation that encourages the child to take on new responsibilities and privileges as a follower of Jesus. That's really what I'm talking about. I'm talking about not just doing them, but having these conversations of rites of passage to help beckon them into their faith. To look at your children and say, it's, it's time for you to take this seriously. I'm going to hold you accountable to your own walk with Jesus at this point. Like you could pair it up with the moment when you stop, you stop praying with them at night and you say, I'm, I'm not going to pray with you anymore. Um, now you're going to pray by yourself. You know, just allow them that opportunity to become adults. We do this with them when, as they grow for all the secular things, right? Like there's a day where you stop brushing your child's teeth and you expect them to do it on their own. There's a day where you stop driving them around and you give them keys to a car and they get to drive themselves. There's rites of passage all over a child's life as they grow up. I'm saying build some into their spiritual life and help them feel the weight of it. All right, last one, moments. Um, what is this? What do I mean by, by having discipleship moments? Um, this would be the definition, leveraging unplanned moments. Unplanned is the key word there. Leveraging unplanned moments with your family into active spiritual conversations about God. Leveraging unplanned moments with your family into active spiritual conversations about God. Um, and this is the place, does anybody need that one more time? Good deal. <laughs> I tried to not add any more words the second time. Um, this is the place where we really get into the immersion of and the vernacular of scripture that Deuteronomy 6 is getting at. But, but this is what I mean. Um, looking for moments to talk about God that you didn't mean to be there. Family worship is planned. Devotion time is planned. Milestones are planned. I'm talking about through the day, paying attention for opportunities to just bring God up and to talk about it as you're on the way and as you're lying down and as you wake up, just to talk about God. Um, and this is how I suggest doing it. Uh, I, I think I put these in there. But first, look for moments that surprise you in some way. So look for a moment that catches you off guard. Either you're amazed by something, you delight in something, something that scares you or makes you really sad. Pay attention to when your heart moves um, yourself and then find a way to connect that moment to God um, and make observations, ask questions that help them marvel at God in the same way you do. I'll explain. I'll give you some examples to, to understand what I mean in just a second. But then always in that moment, as you do this, direct it towards prayer, help, help bring a conclusion to that moment. But for example, um, and I gave you a few examples there, but like... Um, a, a snowy day. We're, we're coming up on winter. Let's say that the Lord actually allows it to snow in Georgia in a few days. I, I, we're praying. Is it really? Yeah, we're like 30%. That's okay. 30% is better than zero. Okay, so it might snow. All right, a chance to apply this one in the next few weeks. Okay, we'll see if it happens. But, but like when it happens, don't just be excited about putting on snow pants and running outside and playing. I mean, do all that stuff. But take a moment to explain the wonder of snow. Like that each of these snowflakes is unique and individual. Like pull up the internet and look at a few pictures of snowflakes and show them how intricate each one of these are. They weren't lying when they made Frozen and they have these frozen fractals all around. I mean, it's, it's literal uh, every single snowflake. There's no two alike. And the, there's billions in your backyard and there's no two alike. And God crafted every single one. How awesome is God that he made snowflakes this beautiful? And that he makes each one individually. And Job says he has storehouses of snowflakes up in heaven. 
and he just puts them down. Uh, you know, find a way in a moment that's just natural to just talk about God, bring God up. When you pass an ambulance, you know, uh, you see an ambulance passing rather than just, you know, your kids being scared. Or you pass a fire, you pass an accident on the road. Rather than just your kids being afraid, take a moment to acknowledge somebody's hurt right now. Let's pray for them. Um, God's our healer, it says in the Bible, and God has the power to uh, heal us. So let's pray that God will heal them right now as a family. Lead your family in prayer for that. When there's a storm, when there's bad weather, take a moment to explain that God's our protector. You know, I, I wrote these out. You can read them on your own. What I'm saying is like, as you go through life, be conversant about God. Does that make sense? Look for the unplanned moments and leverage them uh, into conversations about the Lord. Uh, one of my favorite things that I've done in this area specifically is with um, Hudson. We love to go hiking together. Uh, I, I love the outdoors and I'm trying to help him love the outdoors so that we can like go hiking our whole lives together. He actually does. It's, it's working out brilliantly. Um, uh, I'm fearful that he won't like sports and then he'll be mocked in school and all that kind of stuff, but I guess he'll go hiking with me, so I'm okay with that. Um, but uh, but every time we're out in nature, I just try to find something to marvel at. You know, if, if we're walking at a sunset and we see a sunset or if we see a big tree or if we see a big mountain or if we see one of my favorites is whenever there's like an enormous rock. He loves rocks. He looks for, he calls them his um, shiny rocks, rocks with like little quartz in them that sparkle. He's like, this is awesome. It's like, you know, worth millions of dollars or something. I don't understand it. Um, but anytime we find like an enormous boulder, like a big rock basically and I'm like God can lift this up you know you can't move it if you try nobody in the world can move it but God can lift it up with his pinky you know he's that strong you know it's just silly it's just a silly way to talk but what does it do it helps your child understand God's nature understand his character understand who he is in the small millions of ways that we talk to our kids about a million different things just let the Lord be on your mind. And this is hard to plan. I mean, honestly, it's hard to because they're unplanned moments. So you have to be used to having a worldview of God. But as you do this, as you sort of leverage these unplanned moments and teach them to think about God, you're going to be creating this vernacular and you're going to give them a worldview of God. When they see big rocks, they're going to marvel at God. When they see a beautiful sunset, they're going to worship God. You know, you're, you're modeling and teaching them as you go. So, that's my advice for you guys. Those are the four big categories I, I want to help you begin to walk in um, with the hopes. Again, the goal is simple. Immerse your kids in the faith. Immerse your kids in the truth about God, in the Word of God, with the hopes that they'll start walking and following Him themselves as they get older. Um, so my goal was to give you time for Q&A. We have eight minutes until we're supposed to dismiss, so that gives us some. But talk through these... Um, uh, if you have questions, and really this is where I'd like to fo focus, if there's, as you think about your family dynamic, if you like are seeing obstacles that you'd like to talk through, that's what I'd love collaboratively for us to discuss. But then also if you have any suggestions, if, you, if there's things that your family practices or that you've stumbled into that are good habits as well, um, we can talk about those as well. But um, the floor is open. Yeah. So we have four kids, and when we do worship tonight or devotional, there's always one or two that just doesn't stay still and just is a big distraction to the others. And I always try to. I have one of those. So you tell him to stop, and he doesn't, and he just keeps disobeying. 
And so that kind of angers me a little bit. So I'm already, I don't feel like I'm spiritual enough to leave because I don't have anger in my heart. Yeah. And there are times where I'm just like, forget it. Everybody go to bed. We'll uh, been there. Kicked, so, kicked the kid out of family worship. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Been there, man. Uh-huh. And I feel like, man, I feel like, okay, the enemy just won. Yeah. Uh-huh. So how do you have that balance between um, being intentional and determined, <coughs> but then dealing with that one or two that just is not paying attention and just being a distraction to the others? It kind of almost doesn't make it worthwhile because they're so distracted, they're not listening to me, and it's like, oh man, it just feels So I have found the more, when we first started doing this, and we haven't been practicing these things for that long, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm not an expert in any of this. Like, I'm a student and raising young kids in the same way you guys are, so uh, we're all going to learn how to do this together. But I will say this, in in the time we have been doing it, it's gotten better the more consistent we've been. So, well, I I shouldn't out him, but yeah, it's it's Hudson. Um, I love you, Hudson. If you're ever listening to this someday, you're awesome. Um, Hudson's the one for us that hits his sister, distracted, unable. You know, he's he he probably has ADHD and a lot of challenges there. Um, he's the one who causes me to lose my temper. He's the one who who gets kicked out of family worship to to go to his room sometimes. But um, but I will say like, I think part of the issue at at the beginning for us was like it was a new thing and he didn't understand norms. He didn't. He didn't understand to sort of sit still. Now you can't do it for long. I mean, we don't we don't have but maybe, you know, three minutes to get through the Bible part and then pray. You know, as you change to a new thing, they they refocus in. You're changing it up a little bit. So, um, but I will say it's gotten better with time. So I would say be consistent um, when it comes to losing your temper in front of your kids. Um, this goes back to modeling. One of the most wonderful things you can do for your children is modeling repentance. So we're all going to fail our kids big time. We're going to lose our tempers. We're going um, to lose our temper on our spouse in front of them. We're going to make mistakes um, that, that, they're, uh, that they bear consequences for. You know, when you're, when you're in a family and you make a mistake, it's the loved ones that often have to bear the consequence. Um, you know, that's just a reality of life. So, but that being true, being able to, as a parent, sit down with your children and say, I messed up. I'm sorry. I, will you forgive me? And I've, I've repented before God. I've asked him to forgive me as well because this is sin and I messed up there. Um, is a good thing. It teaches them that there's, there's a correction that has to happen when we make mistakes and it teaches them. So you're never disqualified because you're a sinner. We're all sinners. Um, and it's a healthy thing to, to model that. There's going to be days where family worship goes awful. Um, but be consistent and keep trying. And I think with more consistency. It's worked in my home at least. I don't know if that's true for anybody else. Um, if anybody else has any wisdom to offer. So would you just, in, in this situation, you just send Hudson away and finish with the rest? I have, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I'm, and then I'll, I usually, I'll go up and talk to him afterwards, right. you know? And it's not like you're not allowed to read your Bible. We still, so family worship for us is different than nighttime personal devotion time. And they feel almost similar because Hudson can't read yet. So it's like doing it twice. But so it's not like I'm telling him, you don't get the right to have access to God anymore. Um, and I try to debrief with him. It's not okay, you know, to do these things. But, um, but he, he also knows, like, the thing he gets corrected for the most is, is not listening, for being impulsive, for, for touching his sisters when he's not supposed to. It's just his world. Um, 
So don't, that's what I would say. You will be discouraged as you try to create these habits, but persist through them. Be diligent to, to keep going. Um, and, and I think God will honor that. Um, if it makes you feel better, I was that kid. Um, and I'm still a Christian, so you're not going to suddenly kill, still steer your kid away from Christ yeah. by kicking them out of family devotion, which I was done several times. And I will, yeah. And I'll say that too. Parenting is a long game. Like, like we're parents till they die. We don't ever, they don't ever graduate out of like being our children, and you don't ever graduate out of spiritual influencer in their life either it changes through time and you lose influence especially as they move out of the house but like you pour into them till they're 18 they might run off they might run off in a direction that you are weepy over and and distraught over and and cry for years over but don't stop praying for them don't don't stop speaking truth into them as they grow like you be faithful with the things that God's instructed us to do in the hopes and in the, the trust that God will be faithful with, with His role uh, of leading them and giving them His grace. Where would all of us be without His grace, you know? There's nobody too far for God to go, go after and bring home. Um, yeah, absolutely. We've all been there. Mm-hmm. I have definitely kicked my youngest out for sure <laughs> family time. But it's also an age thing. Um, I agree with everything you said, but just to add to it, sometimes our, our kids learn differently. Like for you, I feel like Hudson might learn differently than your girls learn. And sometimes we have to realize that as parents, like it's not just that they're being loud and crazy because they just are loud and crazy. It might be that they're just not into it because you're, you're not teaching the way that they learn. So. Um, it's also okay with your young kids, because I feel like you guys have young kids, to be silly with it, to take puppets out and like um, do the Bible story with puppets that might, or have that, the, the crazy kid, so to speak. <laughs> I mean, I, I, like I would have Lincoln, my six-year-old, he could, he could act out the story for me if he's the one acting crazy. Go ahead and act out the story for him. I don't know, just bring him in that way. Mm-hmm. Um, I do get it, though, because like I said, I've kicked my kid out, but... Um, I don't know. Hopefully that'll help a little bit. It's okay to be silly and it doesn't have to be with kids. It does not have to be a serious time all the time. Mm -mm. Um, They're kids. They love, it helps them learn whenever you are silly. Yeah, and it's going to get easier as they get older. And as they get older is when it becomes so much more important to pour into them. So the the stuff that they're missing because they're not, not listening to a word you're saying, it's okay. They're picking up some of it. And again, you're not, you're parenting for years, so you have a lot of opportunities to ruin it. You can, you can. <laughs> I, what I mean is, like, a lot of the days can be bad, and it's still okay. You get, you stay, they're still in your home. You get to try again tomorrow, and try again the next day, and try again the next day too. So even ten days bad in a row, you still have an opportunity to, to end up on eleven good days and and win out over time. So don't, you know, don't like all things with parenting. I tell you what, the ages between three and five of discipline, you think your kid is going to end up in prison for most of those years, right? I mean, you're like, this is never, they're never going to get it. I've told them a hundred times. I've given them 10 spankings today about this one issue. They're never going to get it. But then one day they do suddenly. It's the consistency over time, them failing in the same direction a hundred times. 
and then suddenly they get it. You know, that's, that's, that's parenting, and it's not going to work every time, but they're still catching something in there, and eventually it, it'll come out. We have, to, we have to be faithful to plant the seeds and to do things the right way and, and trust God to bring the growth in, in His timing. We don't, we don't play the full part of this workmanship when it comes to their spiritual lives. The good stuff comes from God. We just we just play the part of being faithful with, with these pieces. So I hope that gives you at least some things to develop your own strategy. Again, this is not law. These are ideas. It's your duty with your spouse to come up with what, what habits do we want to keep in our home? How do we want to develop this? I hope these will help. Um, please grab one of these on your way out. If you don't mind, one per, one per family. We have another book for you next week um, per family. But um, But grab those. Let me pray for us, and we'll be, um, we'll be all done for tonight. God, we love you. We're thankful for uh, your grace towards us and your love towards us and your mercy, toward, your patience towards us. Father, when we keep missing it and missing it and missing it again, Lord, you're not, um, you're not up there just throwing down uh, the end, the, the last chance on us. Lord, you, you let us in great love, Lord, have another, another shot to get it right. And so I pray... Uh, we'd have patience with our kids and we'd have diligence with our kids and a love for our kids that makes us persistent in their discipleship, Lord. Give us, give us eyes of discernment, Father, to see the ways that we're being careless and to develop habits that would be more careful and more diligent and more in line with your word um, with the ultimate goal, Lord, of seeing our kids love you. And Jesus, we know that's a task for you. We know that our efforts cannot accomplish the task that, that, that we're after, Lord. You captivating their hearts is a, is a grace from you. But Lord, we, we know you call us to this. We know you call us to faithfulness here. So I pray that as we are faithful, Lord, and as we entrust their souls to you, Lord, that you would be faithful to save them, to, to raise them up, to love you, and to give them a, a passionate faith of their own. Father, may we, may we see faith fill our, our families. God, may, may we really see that in our day as you bring that and provide that in time and grow that fruit in your season. So we love you, Jesus. Guide us. Um, May our family worship this week go well. Uh, Or if it goes bad, may we be persistent nonetheless, Lord. We love you. It's in your name we pray. Amen.